Welcome to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb, helping you find purpose and joy in your life and relationships. For more teaching and resources, visit LargerStory.com. Being a parent, making the focus what is happening but is not being talked about. And what is happening is right now, you're using your wrong strategy on me. And I'm feeling the pull of it. And because I feel the pull of it, I can tune into your strategy. And when I highlight it and call it into focus, I'm processing. Is that clear enough? Are we getting our words down? Okay. And the relational implications of interpersonal transactions, some very fancy and clumsy words maybe, to say the obvious, that in our relationship there are certain implications of what I'm doing. The implication of what I'm doing is to try to get you to respond to me in a given way. To process, then, is to expose present ongoing sinfulness. To process is to tune into all this, to expose presently ongoing sinfulness. To process is to expose presently ongoing sinfulness, you know, patterns of defensive, self-protective interactions. To expose presently ongoing sinfulness for the purpose of promoting deep conviction. I want you to see how you're relating this causing problems. How do you do it? Let me leave you with a thought and then we'll take a break. How do, you, how do you process? How do you, how do you call into focus? How do you highlight what's happening right now, immediately, unspoken, intended, maybe not entirely consciously, between you and me? How, how do you do that? What does it mean to do that? Let me suggest that the condition for effective processing, counselors, is that you have to have the courage to invite the person to deal with the immediate here and now. You must have the courage to invite the person to deal with the immediate here and now. To move in that direction. You just said such and such. Tell me what's involved as you said that. Tell me what you're thinking I might do as you just said that. Tell me what you think maybe I'm feeling as we're talking. Let me tell you what I am feeling right now as you just said that. May I tell you what I'm feeling? How are you experiencing me right now? Let me tell you I'm experiencing you. What's happening right now in your mind? What's going on at this moment? Now, those, those kind of sentences, as you hear me say them, I don't think sound terribly profound or, uh, or rich. But very few conversations move in that direction. Why not? Why as we're having lunch together, do we hardly ever say to somebody else, you know, as you're talking with me right now, I'm just feeling so annoyed. <laughs> I've mentioned before, let me just tell a quick little story here. I mentioned before that other settings, uh, I had dinner about a year and a half ago with a professor at Grace, a fellow who's come to be just a very close friend, taking the program next year. He's a Hebrew professor, and he's just an Old Testament scholar getting his doctorate in Ugaritic. I never heard of it. It's, in, it's a language, you know. He's a brilliant scholar, super guy, lovely, godly fellow. We had dinner a year or so ago with he and his wife, with him and his wife and children. And his wife was talking about, uh, we were having a, a kind of a normal Christian fellowshipy dinner. Uh, meaning, talking about everything but the immediate. 
and um, his wife was talking, kind of sharing about some struggles that she was having with her, her family, uh, her, her parents and her sister in particular. And as she was talking, her husband um, just kind of smiled and, and was just passing it off all very lightly. And she was saying, well, I just get so upset because my sister called and is having this problem. I don't know what to do about it. And her husband at the table was just sitting back and kind of smiling and saying, yeah, um, what was her name? Let's make up a name. Betsy. Um, yeah, Betsy, you sometimes struggle with that. Well, the Lord knows. And she just went on like that, and he just came back with his good old cliches, and I was going nuts. And so in the middle of dinner, I said, um, I'll call him Fred. Fred, do you see what you're doing to Betsy? He said, what? I said, you're failing her miserably. You have for the last 20 minutes. He said, he said I don't understand. I said, well, let me, let me tell you. I said, Betsy, did you feel, how did you feel as your husband was giving you the cliches about the Lord's sovereignty? And she said, oh, that's kind of what he does a lot. <laughs> that's what she actually said. And I said, how does it make you feel? Do you feel warm? Do you feel drawn to the Lord? Do you feel like saying, Lord, I thank you for my husband. He draws me to you so I can trust you in your grace. He says, oh, you know what? Well, what do you feel? Well, I just feel, well, he, he doesn't really come through and understand me very well. And as we began talking about that, that was kind of a processing time, do you see? And let me tell you, that led that man into a tremendous understanding of his sinful approach to his wife. And that man told me about a month later, this guy is a godly guy, a man of integrity. You know what I'm talking about, you, Dick? He, uh, very, he's made this public, he's told the story publicly, so I can use his name a little bit here. Um, he said to me later, he said, Larry, it's never occurred to me it's a whole new thought to me to pursue a relationship with my wife. I've prayed for her to be godly. I've wanted to see her grow. I've pursued the Lord with passion. I want to know Him so well. I've never thought about moving towards my wife in relationship. It's a whole new thought. whole new thought, which he never saw until he began to say, see the way he was defensively backing away from his wife, which I talked about that night. I said, Fred, do you see why you're backing away from your wife? You're so good at what you do, but you have no idea how to handle that lady. She terrifies you. You won't move into her life. You won't say, let's talk about it, because you have no idea how to talk about it. And he just basically said, that's exactly the case. I'm real good at my languages and my teaching and my scholarship. I have no idea how to be a husband. And when you face that, if you're godly, you start learning. And that's what he's been doing. And it's been super. So you invite the immediate here and now. Why is it so difficult to do? Why do we not do it? Well, it's exposing, yeah. It's not polite. It's not polite. You can ruin a whole dinner. Now. You can ruin a whole dinner. <laughs> Nor do I suggest it should be done every dinner time. You understand. But it should be something we're free to do. There's so many reasons why we don't do it. And I'm just encouraging us to move more towards it. My response would be, why would you be so sure of that? <laughs> Question is, how do you deal when the person responds by not, not wanting to go along with that direction? You don't push. Sure, you know, I'm not out to change people. I'm not to be faithful to the Lord as best I know it. My responsibility isn't to help anybody. And I have. Let me, let me, 
All right, it's, it's, it's a good question. Let me, let me say, say a couple of things. One, I don't think it's wise to, to move into that level of conversation unless you're willing to pay the price of follow-up. If we're chatting in the hallway and I'm not going to have a chance to chat with you more, I might not say too much. Sure, I think that to do that, I want to be pretty well invited to move in that direction, either by the person who comes to me and says, I really want help, level with me, or by the quality of our friendship. I don't think it's right to go around the world and just become a psychological pest. <laughs> I just can ruin nice, normal social times, you know. But it seems to me that it's very appropriate to say that that if you invite me, oftentimes in counseling, I'll say to somebody that you've, 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 you've come to me and you have a concern and you're asking me to help. Now, I want you to understand what, what you're asking me for and I want your permission to do whatever I believe is required to help. Can I roll up my sleeve and go to work? Will you give me permission? Are you, are, are you inviting me to become very direct with you and do what I need to do? I feel like a surgeon who says, will you lie still while I get up my knife? And a surgeon shouldn't walk out with his knife looking for somebody to cut. He should wait until the person says, yes, surgeon, operate on me. I'm willing to lie still. And I think that's part of it. The other part of it, though, is quality of friendship. Uh, and a third part of it is, as I do process, will there be opportunity for follow-up? I don't want to just leave a bunch of people that have, you know, a, a, a trail of people that are all upset because I said something which unnerved them. Yeah, I'll hit and run, sure. That's not, that's not fellowship. That's why counseling belongs in a local church in the community of God's people where there is follow-up, where there is interaction, where there is relationship, where there is invitation to be involved in each other's lives. All that I've said should be the normal local community of, of believers. Now, when a person simply doesn't want that, when in spite of all these good things, you know, I've talked to Dan at times, and he's talked to me, we're the best of friends, or I've said some comment to him, and he's not wanted to be a part of it. And I've done it to him just as much. And Dan just has just real wisdom in that. He'll say to me something, and I'll just sort of sulk about it for a bit. His won't push. Because what he's saying is, Larry, even when you're a sulking, irritating human being, I'm for you. And I, and I trust your integrity. You'll come around. I'll be here. He just kind of relaxes and goes off, and then I feel like a fool and go to deal with it. <laughs> All right, when we come back, I want to do some illustration. Let's take a little few-minute break. Again, we have a half an hour till our afternoon break. Let me distinguish between um, content versus process responses. Just be aware of some labels here that will help you organize your material. Let me distinguish between content versus process responses. Yeah, it's on the outline there under um, using the here and now poll, expose long strategies, first processing, and then below that be content versus process. To put it very simply, a content response is a response that deals with the intended message. If I ask you what time it is, give me a content response. Three o'clock. Sure. Simple as that. A process response deals with the uh, intended message that's unspoken. What's really happening between the two of you, but may not be, but has not been talked about. If I say what time it is, give me a process response. And by the way, normally you ought to just say three o'clock. 
They'll make a fool out of you. Yeah. All right, something like that moves in more in the direction. Um, are you in a hurry now? Let me let me let me let me object to your response. When you say, "Are you in a hurry?" Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of structure to that. It seems to me that there's a dozens of possibilities as to why I might ask for that, why I might ask what time it is. It may be I'm just curious about what time it is. But if you if you um, if, if you're aware of some some reason to suspect that more is involved than just a knowledge of what time it is. Uh, then there's a lot of possibilities, and you want to open the door to a variety of them as opposed to picking one that's a possibility. That's very focused, and uh, it's kind of needle in a haystack. You know, it's the doctor saying, uh, do you have pneumonia? Uh, better to say, what are your symptoms? Then we'll kind of come to the conclusion. Um, and so you'd want to have a broader kind of a response. If I say what time it is, what kind of a broader response, which might get to that, might you give me as a process response? All right, essentially, why do you want to know? Which sounds like a pretty dumb thing to say to somebody who says what time it is. Um, <laughs> So that particular illustration is kind of stupid, but you do understand that there's a real distinction between content and process, and processing is simply calling attention to what might be going on between the two people that is not being discussed openly. What is really happening relationally between the two people, what is happening inside of me, um, you know, maybe I'm real tired, maybe I just want to get out of here, maybe I'm looking forward to getting a nap, maybe I want to go call home and see how my kids are, and I'm kind of anxious to be, have the afternoon done with. Um, there's lots of possibilities, and if I seem to be pressing you and say what time it is, and you say three o'clock, and two minutes later, what time is it now? You know, then at that point you might say it seems like what time it is is very important to you. I wonder what's going on right now as you ask that question. All right, now you're processing. You're moving into the immediate situation. All right, you have the idea of content versus process. Now, I want you all. You've been listening to me now for roughly an hour and a half. Uh, do some processing with me. How have you experienced me for the last hour and a half? Talk to me about that. That's a way to call a halt the discussion, huh? Afraid I'm going to process back, huh? Well, why are you stopping me at this point, Larry, to ask us this question? Huh? Why are you stopping me at this point to ask this Why am I stopping at this point to ask a question? All right, now, let me, let me pick up on that. Now, uh, think, think through his question. It's really quite a good one. What are some possibilities going on inside of me as why I'm, why I'm doing this right now? What might be happening inside of me? You've come to a workshop. Uh, you don't know who the teacher was. You knew it was on processing. I show up, and I've got to fill two hours, 1.30 to 3.30 on processing. That's the expected game plan. Now, as he says, why are you stopping right now to ask that? Is it possible that something else is going on that maybe is not being spoken at the moment? Maybe I've not put into words, but something is happening right now as I'm interacting with you. Uh, let's, let's look at the book of Leviticus together. <laughs> let's kind of read through Psalm 119 a couple times. That'll certainly last us. Yeah. Uh, Pardon? All right, so, so part of what you're wondering is maybe what I'm bringing this up for, when you say good counterpuncher, I think I know what you mean, but not quite sure how it ties in with your comment, that I'm looking for feedback to see how, how, how heard I've been, to see whether or not my points are, are being, being communicated. All right, you're opening the door to some possibilities, Bob? We took that to the point in the outline of 
All right, let me just be real open. I think that's very close to what's happening inside of me as I stand before you. I really would like to get this across, and frankly, I don't know how to do it. Dan and I have, about once a month, we go out and cry together <laughs> about the fact that we have no idea how to teach counseling, which kind of bothers us because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I get a laugh out of that. I'm aware of that. Uh, but, there, but there's some truth to that. And as I teach processing, part of me says, I'm not real sure how to get this material across. It wouldn't be hard. It really wouldn't be hard. And this is not a defensive sentence. I could go on for another 10 hours about theoretical stuff. I really could. But uh, I would like this to be more workshoppy. I feel a little bit of a pressure. In the mornings, what do you do? You sit and listen and interact with the videotape. In the evenings, I just lecture you to sit there and take notes. A workshop is a chance to, the word workshop typically means a chance to do more interaction, more practice. And I feel a little bit of a pressure, maybe a pull from the group to see to it that we do something a little more workshoppy oriented. Uh, we have feedback forms at the end of the week. I wouldn't mind some good feedback. And I wonder if maybe I'm, I'm wanting to, um, to kind of satisfy your expectations. And I'm wondering if there's not a little bit of pressure that I want to make sure I get my point across. I'm not really sure how to do it. I'm not real sure the best way to go about it. All right. That would certainly be a possibility that maybe I'm looking for feedback to make sure that I'm not being misunderstood because it certainly has been a struggle that I've felt. I think anybody that does any teaching feels the same struggle, that you're heard to say things you, aren't, you haven't wanted to say. And then you're crucified for, for having said what you didn't say. Um, what so often happens is a lot of people like me for things that I've never said. And a lot of folks don't like me for things I've never said. You know, And I get very confused by that. Well, I think Crab's great. He really believes in And I say, I don't believe in that. You know, that's terrible. He believes in I don't believe in that. And I get very confused. So, yeah, there's a real possibility of wanting to hear from you whether you're hearing what I'm saying. When I said earlier that I don't want the word pull to be a central sort of a thing, I felt uncomfortable as I said that because I don't want people going away saying, Crab's approach to counseling is tune into your stomach and pull. You know, I want to say, wait a minute. We're, we're talking about, about thirsty people who need the Lord. That's what I want the focus to be. I don't want you to be representing something which I don't intend to be saying. And I'm a little awkward about that. Sure, that could be part of it. I saw a hand over here. Uh, oh, okay. Could it also be that processing is a very interactive thing? And one of the ways to teach it is you decided, well, let's try some. And write it in the workshop. Sure. Part of it, I think, is a very legitimate kind of a thing. I'd like to really try to see it, make it happen a little bit. And as we're talking now about me, and as you're processing me and saying, Larry, what's, been, what's happening inside of you as you teach, I'd like to say this is an illustration of what you ought to be doing with people generally when you're, when you're counseling with them. Tell me, what is, what is your mood? What is happening inside of you over the last three or four minutes now that you've been kind of moving into a processing thing with me versus the first hour when I've been essentially lecturing and responding to more academic type questions? What happens inside of you as we make this shift? All right. All right, let me just highlight that. Let me just really highlight that. I'm really glad you said that. I planned her to say that. She raised her hand at a certain time when I programmed her to. That's not true at all. But I'm really glad that she said that because I think that's true. When you start, when you start moving towards what's really happening inside of people, you do produce a little movement towards, towards intimacy. 
and towards relationship. If you don't feel intimate with your clients, one of the first things to look for is you're scared to death to deal with what's happening right now between the two of you. Um, as I talked about Mike and then the various sessions that I've led, and I, we, we exposed some of his strategies, whatever, um, as, I, as I dealt with Mike and, 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 and saw what's happening within him, I felt very close to him and very involved with him. When I talked about the fact that he just let me down at that buffet table, and we talked about that, we were dealing with real life, and I just felt involved and enmeshed in the thing. And I just got lost in the whole process. It was a nice time. It was a good time. Painful, difficult, whatever. But it was rich. We were close. Processing does lead to the removal of relational barriers because you're dealing with what's really going on. So one observation is that. Other observations? Yeah. Well, I felt a little bit nervous because I want you to have all the answers. <laughs> I don't want there to be, you know. Yeah. All right. A little bit of anxiety because you want there to be all the answers. You want me to have all the answers so you can go back and uh, with some real handles, with some real clear teaching. Boy, I think a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us feel that way. All of us feel insecure. I remember when, um, oh, four or five years ago, when it first dawned on me, um, I, I would see new titles in the book clubs that I get, you know, and, and I'd read them and I'd say, this title, boy, this is going to do it. And I'd eagerly order the book and I'd get it and I'd read it. And then about three or four or five years ago, it just occurred to me that none of the books that I was reading was giving me what I wanted. And, and for the last three or four years, I've had a dickens of a time getting involved in reading. Now, I've read books in the last three or four years, but I've just found that my motivation has shifted. Because before, I was waiting for someone to say it just the right way that would remove all confusion. And that just isn't, isn't available. Trust isn't available. The absence of confusion um, is going to provoke the absence of trust. So confusion is a healthy thing. So that's a good point. Yeah. Do you have to be paranoid to be a good counselor? <laughs> um, say a little more. You have to be paranoid to be a good counselor. Suspicious. Do you have to be suspicious people? Suspicious. How do you separate your socializing with, uh, when you're on duty and when you're off duty? How do you separate socializing um, from being when you're, when, when you're on duty and trying to do some work? Um, I, I think probably what I said earlier would, 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 would also apply to what you're asking now, that um, if you and I just chat in the hallway or talk about uh, future arrangements or whatever, um, and, the, and the, the reason for our chatting is not to really look at your life, uh, and you've not invited me to do that, then I, I'm not going to deal with issues like pull, and I'm not going to deal with issues like processing. Um, but if you're inviting me to look at your life, or if we have the kind of relationship where I feel free to move into your life somewhat uninvited, uh, then I'll do that. But otherwise, I just won't bother with it. Just won't bother with it. Uh, but I'd like to think that it's, it's right for me to be able to make that shift and to have tuned in to the kind of issues that are there so that should the shift be required, I have some data to work with. You know, Bob, you and I have chatted a few times. I don't know you very well. You don't know me very well. But you've never processed me and I've never processed you. There's never been a reason to do that. How do you all feel now that I just said that to Bob? Any little rise in intensity at all? Yeah. Yeah. There's a little tiny rise in intensity, and I felt it myself as I just said that. Because I don't know Bob very well at all, but we've had some good chats, and I know I've enjoyed him, and I think he's enjoyed me a little bit, and we just uh, kind of hit it off nicely in our limited interaction. And um, we've never processed each other, and yet I would say that we've built the beginnings of a very nice relationship, which as time were to go on, I would think it would be very possible for Bob to say to me, Larry, I, I really got to talk to you about something here. I really find you uh, such and such, and I want to deal with you about that. 
And I think we're close to the kind of relationship where, where he could do that, and I could do that with him. We haven't done that yet. It really hasn't been called for, and it hasn't been appropriate. <clears throat> does that respond to your question? Yes. Yes, it does. But is it really necessary that we do that? Necessary that we... That we process. It depends on our purposes. Is processing, for is processing necessary for intimacy? Put the question differently, and I think the answer will stand out as yes. Put the answer. Put the question that way, and I think it's a, a very debatable point. Put it differently. Um, is dealing with what's really happening between you and me right now necessary for intimacy? And I would say, yeah, it really is. Um, in a relationship with a wife, for example. Um, there's going to be a lot of things happening at a given moment. Um, uh, my wife came out for the first couple days. She just flew out this afternoon. And, um, and she really came because she wanted to be very supportive of this particular advanced seminar, which we were kind of excited about. And she really wanted to be very supportive of that. We've been at Bible conferences before, one in particular, Word of Life, where I spoke some years ago, where she said to me by the middle of the week, she said, Larry, when we start a Bible conference together where you're the, where you're the speaker, I sense that for the first two days you tune me out. And this was about five years ago, because I'm kind of into getting the sermons ready, and I'm into seeing how it's going to go and all this, and she doesn't, you know, as far as she's concerned, I don't know that she's there. And that was a struggle that she brought up, and we kind of worked that through. Well, she came out to this seminar, and I found myself a little bit aware of whether or not I was going to be so absorbed in getting my devotionals ready and getting the videotapes going and getting all the details done that I was going to be ignoring her. And, um, and I was concerned that might be going on between us. And so we simply talked about that this morning. And I said to her, um, this, this morning when we got up, I said, I, I've really appreciated how supportive you've been. I just haven't felt required to, uh, to leave aside the other responsibilities I have and kind of go, go be with you. And I said, have you felt like I've shut you out? And she said, no, I just haven't felt that at all. She said, and, and we didn't mention this before, she said, it hasn't been like word of life. That was six years ago. Sure. It's, 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 it's dealing with the immediate here and now. And it's asking the question, is there some kind of a strategy on her part where she is saying that my security depends on knowing that you always put me first, the head of your ministry, and therefore I'm going to require that no matter how busy you are with the week that you're spending certain kinds of time with me, uh, to deal with that issue between us would be processing, dealing with the immediate, what's happening between us. And I would call that immediacy, and I would call that necessary for intimacy. Sure do. Yeah, yeah. When I said I don't want pull to be the center, central theme of the week, I don't want it to diminish its, uh, its, its real value and importance. That if I don't understand what's happening inside of me, I didn't feel pulled by my wife to always be there. I didn't feel that at all. And so I went to her and kind of checked it out and said, I'm not feeling it. Is that because you're not pulling for it? Or am I just too blind and insensitive? You know, what's happening? Have you felt my absence of support? And she said, not a bit. And I said, I just can't tell you how appreciative I am that you've been here for me. It's just been a nice, such a nice experience to have you here for these couple days. Um, so by tuning into your, into your pull, certainly that's going to be required to do a good job of, tuni of tuning into the immediate processing kind of data, which in turn is important in tuning into wrong strategies. So when I say that I don't want it to be at the center, I want to say it's still very important, 
but I don't want us to get hung up on just the technique of the interactional strategies of looking at pull. I want us to realize the purpose of it is to expose self-protection so we can deal with that and so we can relate more effectively. And that's the emphasis that I want to have as opposed to pull being the emphasis. Okay? Yeah. Send her home early. If my wife were to continue to feel that kind of a uh, kind of a sense of wanting to to prove that, that she's more important to me than my ministry, and therefore I've got to be with her more often. If that really were a factor currently, then what should be my response to that? Um, I, I can think of several wrong responses right off the bat. Uh, one wrong response, it seems to me, would be to say, I'm kind of sorry that you're struggling with that, and to kind of end the conversation with that. Another wrong response would be to automatically give in to her pull, and to make a point that, and to feel the pressure within me. If I feel a pressure that it's 3.30, I've got to go make sure I'm with her. You know, sorry folks, can answer questions, my wife's waiting for me. And if I ran off like that, then you can cross me off as much of a man. And you'll also find that when I run to her out of pressure to take care of her like that, she won't feel affirmed as a woman. Isn't going to help her one bit. So I can think of a couple of wrong things. It seems to me that the right thing to do is at least two things. One, I need to feel the freedom to respond out of my integrity and my conviction as to what I think I should do. And what I think I should be doing for these two hours is teaching this, this seminar and not talking to my wife. And if I need a nap after this, I think I should go take a nap as, a go take a, as opposed to taking a walk with my wife. There's a real need for me to have the freedom to pursue what I think is best. Now, that's, that's point one. Point two is, in sensitivity to my wife, I need to be able to move towards my wife in meaningful discussion of all that's going on. And to say to her, honey, the fact that you feel that strikes me as indicative of some real unsatisfaction or dissatisfaction within your soul. And that concerns me and burdens me. And I want to know, are there other areas where you feel like I've let you down? I want to know where my response to you is not what it should be generally. I want to know what's happening inside of you, and I want to just communicate with you as deeply as I can about that. Which is what we've done. We've had some long conversations about where she's felt really insecure in terms of our background, how I've let her down, where there's been lack of forgiveness in some cases, where there's been lack of repentance on my part. Would Those things have been talked through. Would you confront her with lack of trust? Would I confront her with lack of trust? Mm -hmm. At some point, I might be willing to say, honey, I think that you're really demanding something of me that's inappropriate. Sure. Sure. That's, that's been said both ways. That's been said both ways. What do I feel right now? As he says that. Personal circle of fullness, joy. What else? That's there, certainly. I enjoy that. I feel awkward. How do you accept that? I feel awkward. Yeah, I feel like, you know, what I say, praise the Lord. I'm not sure if that came from my heart. I, I mean that, I do. I want to praise the Lord for whatever good has been doing in your life, and if God's used me, I mean praise the Lord. But that was kind of a concession to my awkwardness as I said that. Wasn't real sure what to do, frankly. Um, you want to get to the place where it's going to be all better, and it's never going to quite be all better. One of the reasons why we have trouble with counseling is we fail to understand depravity and the depths of it. 
And I think there's some real point to that. Um, as we talk about depravity, we're just, to me, the, one of the most important things we're teaching is our understanding of sin below the waterline. It's just a, it's just a, a, a way of thinking about sin which, which enables me to face my relational deficiencies in new ways and frees me to respond much more lovingly. And, um, and yet, even as I work in that, there still are going to be difficulties continuing. It's never going to quite get all better until heaven. But growth is possible, and I can relax in my lack of growth because of the cross. Because as I am, I really am accepted. The cross is my guarantee of present acceptance and future perfection. And so I can relax on the basis of the cross as I struggle with, with working to grow more. Let me do this. We have about ten minutes left. And I was just chatting with Kathy Ford, a woman that most of you don't know, I don't suppose, and I don't know her real well. I know her five minutes worth, I think. And, um, and she's agreed to let me chat with her for just a few minutes as we, as we quit here. Uh, she brought up a little issue with me over the break time that we had just half an hour ago. And I was looking for someone <laughs> um, to see if I couldn't interact uh, with the person with an eye towards the illustration of processing. And I told her that I was going to be looking at her somewhat as a guinea pig. We've already used that word, and she said that she understood that. Um, and she's a little awkward about it, and so am I. And I'm not going to feel any pressure to try to process to make a point. If something that comes up that can be an illustration of what I've been talking about, the immediate, that's fine. I don't want to feel any pressure to do that because I don't want to make this, number one, a demonstration. I want to make this, number one, a chat with Kathy. And uh, if it's not very exciting, that's okay. I just want to have a chat with Kathy. If it's something which I can illustrate the point, that's fine, too. But either way, I just want to chat with her for a few minutes. Can we get a couple of chairs, maybe, just right up here? We can just sit and chat. A lot of you won't be able to see, maybe, but you'll be able to hear. Uh, Mayor, what does body movement have to do with pull? Oh, I don't know. I think that you can uh, certainly pick up from how different issues and how a person is, um, is, is sitting and, and folding their arms, whatever, some things, but I don't make a big deal out of that. But a person who is, you know, uh, you know, on the tapes here, I don't want to make a big deal out of it because of my body language. Um, <laughs> you know, sitting there, I guess the whole time is not what you call counseling style normally. Um, um, but yeah, I think, that, I think that you can pick up some cues from that, but just don't put too much into it. Uh, I'll tell you one area where I did pick it up in supervising a counselor, a student counselor. Uh, the whole hour, the, the student counselor was sitting forward like this while the counselee was sitting back and relaxed. And I pointed out to the counselor, did you see what you're sitting forward was saying the whole time? You were just desperately trying to get something to happen during the hour to prove that you're a decent counselor. And if you were at all relaxed, you'd have been sitting back and changing positions a variety of times. So once in a while you get a few cues from that sort of thing. Okay? Let me just chat with Kathy for a few minutes and you all can listen in. And this is going to be terribly artificial, but to ask you to speak up because they're going to want to hear in the back. Okay. And you sound like you have a soft voice. Let me get my Coke. Let me just pick it up where we were. We were just chatting about the fact that you see yourself as a rescuer. Talking about your pull as a rescuer. And um, what did you hear me say? What did you walk away thinking from our last interaction? What I really heard you say was, let's put this off and I don't want to give you an answer because I want you to figure out on your own without me telling you. Huh. As as you talked about me being a guinea pig, and, you know, maybe doing this, I thought, it's in your court now. That's what I was saying It's in your court to answer me or not answer me. 
and I chose not to answer. I chose to be quiet for a bit, uh-huh. even though you were asking for some definite guidance, and I basically just kind of looked at you. Mm-hmm. And that that communicated to you. Um, that you wanted me to, in a sense, to figure out what was really going on inside of me. That you didn't want to give me the answer yet. You're giving me quite a bit of credit there, aren't you? Aren't you kind of assuming there that I did something that was really quite good? I guess because I have been looking inside during this week, trying to flesh out what we're learning personally, I felt that that you wanted me to continue to do that because that's kind of how I started the conversation. Yeah. Kathy, where, where have you experienced people that really coming through for you strongly? Not often. Would you hear why I'd asked that question? Does that kind of not flow from where we were just talking? No, I think in a, in a sense I feel like it does. Because I was wanting you to be that strong person for me. How did that make you feel when I wasn't? Um, I was frustrated. Yeah. And I felt like... Um, I felt like you cared. I could see in your eyes that you wanted to help. But at the same time, I felt like you're letting me down like everybody else has in yeah. my life. Yeah. And you didn't say that, did you? No, I don't know that I was in touch with it then, but but the time between when we talked just and now, yes, uh-huh. just 20 minutes ago, I realized in myself that I was wanting you to be strong yeah. for me and give me the answers yeah. so that I could go out and not be the rescuer, but to be uh, a submissive, and I hate that that word because... I've realized what the Christian community has taught it to be is wrong. In the sense that a submissive wife is not one who always supports her husband in the way he wants her to, because that's been wrong. For me to give in to my husband's pull all these years because it was the wrong pull. Hmm. I've lost my train of thought with our question. You were feeling a frustration with me when I wasn't coming through for yes. you. And that's been not an uncommon experience in your life. Mm-hmm. To feel like you presented yourself with a need, with a desire, with something mm-hmm. that you wanted to somebody that you hoped was going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And it didn't come through. It didn't come through. And I would suppose if we had the time, which you really don't, mm-hmm. but if we had the time, it wouldn't be hard to trace your history and find a bit of a history of that? Yeah, my dad was uh, not the strong person in our family. He was the one sitting on the uh, easy chair watching the TV while Mother got the rest of the family. Because most together. women, most women, Kathy, that, that, um, that struggle with being a rescuer, I suppose it's true that when that's when that's the case, it's because they've never had a rescuer. Yeah. Never had somebody they could really be vulnerable to, and mm-hmm. just kind of say, "Look, here's here's who I am. Here's who I am." 
and I'd like you to come through, because if you'd have gone to your dad sitting on the easy chair, watching TV, I would guess that you didn't feel comfortable interrupting him all that much Mm-mm. with a lot of who you really were as a little girl or a teenage girl or anybody else <clears throat> any other age. You wouldn't have felt comfortable because he wouldn't come through in ways that you would have liked him to. Is that true? Mm-hmm. There's some real pain there. Yeah. And then when I kind of reduplicated your dad a little bit, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little different, so you felt that I cared and I'm glad you felt that. Mm-hmm. I, I, think I, I think I do. Um, but there was some reduplication that I didn't come through for you. You felt a frustration, but notice what you did. You really gave me the benefit of the doubt, and you said, what he's doing must be right. He's putting the ball back in my court. Golly, that sounds like a good technique. That's helpful to me. Mm-hmm. And then a few minutes later, in reflection, you said, I don't know, I didn't feel all that good about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't occur to you at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it really was there, but you didn't want it to occur to you, is what I suggest to you. Because it would be rather hard for you just to directly say to me, Larry, frankly, right now, you're letting me down. Mm-hmm. Would that be hard to say, to say to me? It would have been. Yeah, why then? You're saying then versus now, I hear that. Yeah. Um, because I would be afraid if I would have said, Larry, you're letting me down now, that you would have had a quick apology. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, you seem as <laughs> fragile as you see everybody else in the world, don't you? Yes. I see, as a man, I see you as the image that I have of men that can't handle that you. They can't handle their world. That they can't handle me, or they can't handle me. That they can't handle their world. They can't handle who you really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're something else, if you're strong, if you're able to handle things, if you're on top of it, then then a man can accept you and deal with you. A father can deal with you as long as you make your bed and get good grades and don't get in too much trouble. And a husband can handle you so long as you aren't too much of a burden. But if you really present all that you are, your frustrations, your disappointments, you present that, and the men in your life from your perspective are going to crumble. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of included in that since I'm a man. And therefore yeah. it was hard for you to come up with the frustration and just talk about that very freely back then. Mm-hmm. That's 20 minutes ago. But now it isn't hard to talk about it. Why is that? I think because as I, as I sat waiting... <coughs> to see if you were going to call me up because that was uncertain. I tried to relate my feelings of you letting me down with the men in my life. And I started thinking about the men in my life and how they let me down and how this week I've discussed that and gotten some of the fear because I was afraid that if I say, Larry, you let me down, that you would become defensive yeah. and say, oh, no, I didn't. I want you. That's, that was it. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt that you were doing the right thing because of my fear of if I said, you really let me down, you'd be defensive, and that would be rejection for me. Do you hear self-protection there? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, my my fear is my self protection. My yeah. fear of letting your refusal to let me see who you really who are. I really am. Because once I see who you really are, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm going to get defensive mm-hmm. and say, "Well, the reason I did that, Kathy, or whatever." Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to feel so missed and so alone, and it's just going mm-hmm. to bring back so much pain that your soul has been living with for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feeling missed. Yeah. That's the, that clicks, huh? Yeah. Just like, you went by me and 
I was never there. And that's pain that would be hard if we talked about to just have you feel real, real pain as you're feeling a bit of now, I know. And then when you feel pain, your, your real commitment to some real degree is not to feel that. You know, that kind of sounds kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the way to not feel that is what? It's to be strong because the people who I want to come through for me have it. Like being a rescuer. Right. And I've got to, to be, be strong rather than than being weak. No, no. Who you? Who I really, really am. am. Yeah. Who I'm. That's right. That's different, isn't it? It is. Your mind just changed on something, then, didn't it? What did you just say? I saw that. What are you feeling right at this moment? And? Just a real deep desire to love. Yeah. And I've never really experienced that, but I want it. Yeah. I've been a Christian for 11 years. I've been married for six. And never felt truly accepted and truly loved for who I am. Yeah. And how are you handling that tremendous pain, Kathy? I'm trying to be the strong woman and have my world in order yeah. and in control and have the clothes done and the dinner on the table and the baby quiet. What I'm, a bunch of pressure. Yeah. It has been a lot. It's been a lot of pressure. I see other women in tears here too. And just the frustration, like what Reggie said, of the depravity of man. It, I'm real excited for glory. And I've experienced that this week, really praying for the rapture, because I was, I was telling a friend just before this that I'm not one for self-inflicted pain, and that's my wrong strategy. That's how, I mean, just in this talking, I've seen how that has been why I've been so strong on the outside, because I don't want to feel pain. Me neither. <laughs> and to take these truths now is even more painful because yeah. I'm to work this through. I'm I'm going to have to set myself up for more pain. Why would anybody want to do that? Heck, if I know. <laughs> Kathy, if there's not joy on the flip side of this, this is insanity. <laughs> I've thought about that. That's true. You just talked about how you're very uh, very competent and uh, um, organized and the rescuing part comes out. You talked about laundry's done, the baby's quiet, dinner's on the table, that kind of thing. Are you pretty organized at home in those ways? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, with this, I have a 17-month-old, so there are, you know, toys around when... 
you know, everything's not spick and span. Uh-huh. But, but you do feel a pressure to keep some significant degree of organization because mm-hmm. what you're saying is the only way you can be acceptable is to is to have some level of organization. Don't present who you really are to anybody. Mm-hmm. So a large part of your defensive strategies then are to present to your husband and to the world in general, to me, to anybody else, um, somebody who's not going to let them see who you really are. You're not going to let us see who you really are. So would it be therefore, and I'm being a little bit quick here, but and maybe off base, but I wonder... I wonder if one real good thing for you to do would be to not do laundry for a week or two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, how's that sound to you? Yeah. <laughs> um, in a way, that little voice inside of me saying, "That's not going to be being a godly wife, the godly wife that that we're taught to be." Because that would not be taking care of my husband and my son or my household. And if you made a habit of never doing laundry, I think I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that a lot of your um, regularity in the laundry is not a commitment to minister to your family at all, but a commitment to keep your family, your husband in particular, from rejecting you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, giving up self-protection might include getting a little sloppier. I think everybody should be a slob. <laughs> it's called the defensive definition of health. <laughs> well, let's do this. We're going to need to stop here. We're past time. But let me, let me just say this as we quit. For, there's a couple things, and I'm just going to say what they want to say to you. They just appreciate your courage. Um, and, um, and, and they feel close to you now. They really do. A whole bunch of them do. And not in a pitying way. It's not a person in the room who feels sorry for you. If they do, I'll kick them, because they shouldn't. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for you, not the slightest. Um, what, what I do feel, though, is that you lack courage. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that what happened in our 20 minutes before, um, you gave me the benefit of the doubt in the way you shouldn't have. You should have said to me, Larry, I'm, I'm really frustrated. Can I let you know that? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason you didn't say that was not to be nice to me, but was to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason you do the laundry sometimes. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'd suggest that a little more realness in your expression, uh, getting rid of some of the pressure of having to be a certain kind of a person. Mm-hmm. Because, Kathy, who you are is regenerate. Who you are is a Christian. And what you really want to do from the bottom of your soul, if you're a believer, is to serve the Lord. There's no pressure to have to go out and be something. It's being the new creature that you really are. And you present yourself to me, not to get even with me and say, Crab, you blew it. I think you're a lousy counselor. That might be a little mean, but to say to me, Larry, I really am kind of frustrated. That's presenting who you really are, and if I'm any kind of a man at all, I'll deal with it. And maybe I'm not man enough, and I'll get defensive, and that'll hurt, but you'll be whole in the process. And you'll have given me a chance for a relationship, which I won't have taken. That's my fault, not yours. You'll hurt some, but you'll feel whole in the process. Does that make a little bit of sense? So, so in, in my marriage, I guess I want to know when... Like, I asked you, when, when is the right time to express the selective expression? When is the right time and when is the wrong time for me to go and say, you know, I'm frustrated. You let me down. I don't want to be my husband's Holy Spirit. And that's what I feel is, you know, you've, you know, I... Uh, with Janine, 
you know, when Mike went five days without talking, you know, with the distance, and you said, Janine, that took courage to go that five days without saying anything to him. I thought, how, how was that courage in her? Because I don't have that courage. I plop down on the couch and say, we've got a problem, we need to work it out. And I don't want to do that. I want him to say, honey, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to figure out through this, all of this, yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? how I can, can respond in the... Listen to the pressure you feel right now. Yeah, I feel a lot of pressure. What's the pressure you feel right now? I feel a pressure of not, of not knowing when I can be myself and when I can't. When to be, and and that's not right. What <laughs> <laughs> you doing there? The pressure you're feeling, you know. <clears throat> There, there's no way in the world that I can risk making any kind of mistake because mistakes are disastrous in my life. If, you're, if your commitment is to make no mistakes, mm-hmm. we in big trouble. Well, it has been. I know it has been. And that's why you're not letting out the gospel, Kathy. You're essentially mm-hmm. believing that your own ability to look in a mirror with acceptance has to do with no mistakes on your part. Mm-hmm. Doing everything right. So that nobody's hard on you. Nobody lets you down. Mm-hmm. My suggestion, very broadly, and again, I wish we had more time, we must stop here, I guess, is um, rather than asking, well, is the timing right? Should I tell him now? Should I not tell him then? And five days go by and your husband doesn't talk to you, um, without taking the time to discuss the Janine thing, what I'd say to you would be that. Um, that for you to go and say, now sit down, let's have a chat and work this thing out. That doesn't make any sense to me for you to do. Mm-hmm. But for you to go and say, honey, I want the worst way for you to approach me and talk to me because I'm hurting so bad, I don't know how to keep from just crying 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. That's how bad I feel right now. And honey, if you don't come through for me, I'm still your wife. I'm committed to you till death do his part, but I'm going to hurt a bunch. I really hope you come through for me. Now, now you've given him the opportunity to hurt you more, mm-hmm. but also to love you more. That's but that's what I've been wanting to say to Yeah, and say it. Be genuine. Be who you really are. Speak the truth. Do it in love. You're not rejecting him. But it's being who you really are with them. And yet giving him the freedom. That's right. To, if he doesn't feel like responding in that loving way, to still be intact. If he chooses to sinfully respond to you, you're not destroyed. There really is a God. You know what my thought just then was? Self-protection of him. Because he he has not come to that point of seeing the deep. Um, he's on the brink of trying to work it out and wanting to, but not yet seeing it. Does that make sense? And it sure is your job to make sure it all happens. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's been my attitude. Is, you oh, know, my God, do it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> can you feel the pressure drain a little bit? Yeah, I really can. I, I feel like I can 
can relax. You just took a deep breath. Mm-hmm. In my pain. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel as we quit? Fear that I'm setting myself up for more pain. It's my initial feeling. Fair enough. What else? But seeing that goal in the end of in fact when you caught when you started to call me up I was writing down that I can have lack of fear when my eyes are on the cross, knowing that it's going to be painful up to that time, but after that, there will be no more tears. So that's, there's a real hope yeah. in that. And not just for the future, but there's a hope of intactness now. Between now and then, I can reach, I can touch more and more of that yeah. than being comfortable in that dis- discontent of it's not going to be filled sure. until glory. Yeah. So I do feel relief and pain yeah. at the same time. Sounds like a normal, healthy Christian. <laughs> so, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. To subscribe, visit LargerStory.com.